Warning, The Five may contain discussions on topics such as death, suicide, rape, addiction, and abuse. Although these topics are approached in a therapeutic manner, they still may have triggering effects on some individuals. Viewer discretion is advised. Human beings are crafted through experience. Each person, from the closest of friend to the most random of stranger, has a unique story crafted by the ultimate experience that we call life. Welcome to The Five. The same five questions, a complete different experience every time. Many of you will recognize my next guest from social media. He is the quintessential bear. He's a world-renowned go-go dancer, and after actually having the chance to talk to him, he's one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. So why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Hunter Harden. I am a model and social media influencer and now, uh, I guess, king of the go-go bears. <laughs> and I also uh, run a podcast with my husband. Um, we run a podcast called um, The Real House Bears, and we cover uh, The Real Housewives franchise. And my husband is now on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and I'm sure you'll see a lot of them uh, this new season coming up. And um, then there's just me, Hunter Harden, and you will see me uh, go-go bear dancing like around um, the United States. <laughs> so that's all I really do is now is I just get to host parties, meet new people, and dance. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> that's really awesome, and I will say... One of the main things is when I finally actually got to meet you, you're such a nice guy. Well, it's, it's actually kind of surprising because normally, you know, when somebody looks like you, they can be a little bit pompous sometimes, but you're actually super nice. And so that made me like you even more. So I'm really excited about getting to interview you today. So you know what it's about. I'm going to ask you five questions. You can answer them however you like. Are you ready? I sure am. All right. What's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you? Uh, the scariest thing that has ever happened to me um, would have to be... Okay, so um, years ago, I had... I still have cluster migraines, but my cluster migraines got really bad right around my like 31st birthday. And um, this doctor in Washington, D.C., I mean, he was a legit doctor. He even had pictures with, like, Obama and stuff on his walls of him. And so he seemed really legit, and he said that he was going to let me come stay with him in Washington, D.C., in his huge mansion. And he was going to give me free um, brain scans of my brain to take to new doctors. And it was part of uh, a big clinic that was very legit. I mean, I looked all this stuff up before I went over to this guy's place for like, it was going to be like two weeks or something, um, but he wanted it to be like longer. So I was like, okay, well, let's just do a month and just see how well we do. Cause I figured I'd have to go back and forth to the doctors, blah, 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 blah. Well, anyways, uh, I get a lot of my stuff to live for a month in Washington, DC with this doctor and his wife. And um, when I get there the first week, they are very, very, very religious, like very religious. And so it made me kind of nervous for a second because, you know, I'm gay. And um, <laughs> so uh, they start doing like a lot of Bible readings and all this different kind of stuff. And I'm kind of like going along with it and blah, 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 because I'm so grateful for this opportunity. And to be honest, I had no other option at that moment. I had lost uh, my job and my career due to my migraines and um, I didn't have any insurance. So um, I kind of was in a, like in a tough spot. 
And um, so after the first week went by and there was nothing about the Emmy clinic, there was nothing about getting myself some surgery or some brain scans. And so I was like, okay, well, whatever, I guess I'm going to um, just keep on going and go enjoy the town. And I told the doctor, like, when are we going to go see these scans, go to these scans, when are we going to go to the Emmy clinic? And he kept saying, okay, well, just next week, next week, um, we're going to do it. And um, after the second week went by, there was still nothing. And the religious aspect of this guy kept getting put onto me with like wanting to do read scripture readings and all this other stuff. And, you know, I went to church. I know, I know the deal or whatever. And so I just kind of played along and, um, and I was in a dark place in my life too. So having some kind of religion experience might've helped me or something. So, um, you know, I just kept on going along with it, but after the second week, things just got really weird. And this guy all of a sudden was really into me sexually and um it got it made me very very uncomfortable and i called like my family and my friends and i said i think i'm in a bad situation at this doctor's place and um every single time i would try to get around the subject of like when are these tests going to be done when am i going to get these tests when am i going to do all this and this doctor just was very um good with his words he was just able to switch everything around and tell me the sky was blue even though i knew the sky wasn't blue and um i would sit there and have conversations while my phone was running and my um boyfriend at the time Corey, would be on the other line just listening to this conversation and recording it because i had i just felt like i was in a really scary situation and um after the third week um, I finally said enough is enough. Like, I don't care about these tests. I need to get out of the house. I need to go. Like I'm losing money. I have to go home. And, um, he's, I was I, given the excuse of that. I could be working at home during this time and I don't have any money. And so he started giving me like $500 a day while I was there. And so I was like, okay, fine. Um, I'm going to stay here one more week. And I told him at the end of that week, I'm going to go home if you don't have any scans left. And so I just started seeing Washington, D.C. and and having a lot of fun in Washington, D.C. and enjoying myself. And um, I even celebrated my birthday, my 31st birthday there. And, um, you know, the experience was fun. But then once it started getting to the point where nothing was happening and I started feeling like they were uh, like kind of like a prisoner inside of this person's house that... If I said the wrong thing, I'm kind of at this person's whim. Like, I, he could do anything to me, and I'm, like, just there. And um, so finally, after the third week, I I said, I'm I'm leaving. Like, this is it. And um, he's like, okay, we're going to go up to New Hampshire, and we're going to um, get these tests done. And I was like, I, I don't know if I can go up to another location further away from home and keep doing this. But his wife was... His wife was very sweet. Um, again, there was just so much religious aspect that even I started to like fall into it. And I could see myself trying to change for this person. And religiously, it was just really, it was just the most weirdest thing that's ever happened. It probably should be my weirdest story instead of my scariest story. But um, I, in the end, um, I, he bought my ticket after the third week because I said, I need proof that something's going to happen. And he bought my ticket for the very end of the month, uh, which was a week away. And I said, okay, fine. I will go with you to New Hampshire with your wife. 
and I had this pen in my hand that was like really sharp. So I brought that with me because <laughs> I was just didn't know what to do. And we were taking a plane up there and we took a plane and we went up there and in the middle of the night. So this guy also kind of felt like he was some kind of healer, like with his hands. Um, and then it came out that he wasn't a doctor anymore. He had lost his whatever it is for some kind of malpractice. I didn't ask too many questions. I just nodded my head and was just like, yes, I'm, I don't want to die here. So I'm going to just agree with you and let you put your hands on me. And so um, one in the middle of the night up in New Hampshire, it was a beautiful, beautiful beach house right against the water, like multi-million dollar. And it was just breathtaking until, and then I went to bed and I started getting a migraine in the middle of the night. And I woke up to somebody saying Hunter in my bedroom in the dark. And he's standing there in the middle of the night watching me sleep. And he said, Hunter. And I woke up and I sat up and he's like, are you having a migraine? I said, yeah, I'm having a migraine. He's like, I knew it. I could feel it through the other room and blah, 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 blah. And so that freaked me out. And I just was so ready to get home. And then finally, four days later, I finally got the brain scans. I went to a real doctor's office, got real brain scans to find, and then when I finally got out of that doctor's mansion, Wisconsin weirdness thing, um, I brought all these scans to my doctor, my neurological doctor, and he said, oh, these, uh, these brain scans, we don't need these brain scans. They don't really do anything. We already know where your migraines are stemming from. And, and so I just was like, you guys, I spent a whole month in this perverted hellhole of a doctor's house for dodging where whatever knives or anything that were coming behind me <laughs> for these documents and to tell me that they don't are, that you don't even need them anymore i'm like okay well thanks <laughs> so that's probably like my weirdest and, and scariest uh thing that's happened to me so i think that's a little bit of both but i i could do another one <laughs> well i'm gonna have you do another one because that one was very interesting it honestly sounds like a shutter original movie plot right there yeah i have like a good gut sense about things but when it comes to people i'm also like a people pleaser and i hate to like feel like i'm letting people down i hate to make other people feel uncomfortable it's like if i feel uncomfortable it's okay but i don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable and it's got me into some really kind of bad situations before like situations where all of a sudden, your brain is like, you are in danger. Yeah. <laughs> and so I know exactly, like, I can put myself into that. And, you know, there's a lot of people that's like, you should have known something's up. But one, you're in a bad spot. You need these tests. You definitely want to know what's going on. And so I could 100% see me getting in the same position and just be laying there at night like am i gonna make it through the knot exactly that's that's what i i mean i i did i lost all my money i was in a really tough situation i was even uh calling out on facebook for help and even a GoFundMe because i just had lost everything because of these cluster migraines and to hear this doctor that has pictures with him with like reagan and obama and stuff uh to offer his house and like give me these free brain scans for a month i was like sure okay let's do it you look legit like i looked you up <laughs> but then to find out like after three weeks of being there that nothing is happening and then he's not a doctor anymore. He's not a practicing doctor. And I'm like, if that movie get out 
was like made a lot back then. That's all I would be going through in my head. It's like, I need to get out of here. What if these like scriptures he's doing me is like a mantra and all of a sudden I'm just going to like be his drone. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like get out. It's just the Hunter Harden version of get out. It was, it was so, it was crazy. It was, it was scary and weird. <laughs> well, I mean, let's go on in. What is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? Okay. Besides that. Yes. <laughs> Um, and this one is probably the scariest and weirdest thing too, but it's a lot about what you're saying about having like a good intuition about people and like a gut feeling about things. Um, so I, uh, I got infatuated with serial killers when I was young and like my first, um, like bi uh, biography about somebody was, um, Jack the Ripper. Um, so I, I, I love horror movies. I love serial, like studying about serial killers. So I'm always like in my head knowing that I can't put myself in weird situations. Um, so this, I was living at home with my mom. I was probably in 11th grade and it was just me and my mom. My sisters had moved out and there was a elementary school up the road. And there was also this big dirt hill that everyone used to like BMX bike at that I used to go to all the time. And I was going through my emo phase in school and, you know, life is so dull and I'm going to go cry up on a mountain with a black rose in my hand. <laughs> and so um, it was like, man, it, it couldn't have been too late. It had to have been like 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, I'm, I said bye to my mom. And I was like, I'm just going to go up to the hills and uh, listen to my music. And um, so I started walking and I left my house. And my house is right by the uh, the T of a street. So like my house right here and then there's the T in the street. And the elementary school goes that way and that way it goes completely different. And the hill mountain is right over there. Um, and so I left the house and I literally got 10 feet uh, from my front yard. And I started walking and I see a car go by, a truck, and I think nothing of it. And then all of a sudden I just got this weird feeling. I turned around and I saw that he did a U-turn way across the street. And so I was like, that was weird. And I just didn't want to get jumped. I thought somebody was like going to jump me or something. So I crossed the street and started walking up to the T in the road. And I got to right at the T in the road where the um, the uh, stop sign was. And uh, this truck stops there and the the headlight, the light, um, street light over him is making a shadow over his car. So I literally can't see in his, I can't see him. I just know it's a man. I can hear his voice. And um, he's, he stops and he goes, hey, where are you heading? And I said, Oh, um, a bunch of my, me and my friends were going to hang out at this elementary school up here, which was a complete lie, but I'm glad I said it. Um, and they're they're walking this way already. And um, he's like, well, I can give you a ride. And I was like, no, it's it's literally like up the street. My friends are already walking down this way, so it's even shorter. And he says, it's fine. I can give you a ride. It doesn't matter with me. He's like, just come on over here and, and I'll get in the car. And I said, oh, no, no, seriously, it's okay, honestly. And he's like, okay, fine. And he just peels off the other direction and drives off and I just stood there for a second like it felt like an hour but I just stood there and I was thinking like what what was that what just happened <laughs> and I and I ran back home and I just told my mom I was like I I think a, a serial killer or a really horny guy just tried to pick me up <laughs> and um I just sat and I've always remembered that moment of I kind of went on autopilot and said that my friends were walking this way already and I had friends there and I was just going to a different location and um, and crossing the street so that he didn't pull up behind me. It just was all um, 
just happened so fast that even after it was over, I had to sit there and think like, what just, what did, what just happened? And so I just went right back home and just went to bed um, or hung out at home. And just, that has always haunted me of like, what if, what that was. And you just, you never know unless it has happened to you. And like, and when people say like, you don't know what's going to happen if it does happen to you, it's true because my, I went on autopilot. I had no idea what I was doing even after it happened. I had to like sit there and think about it. And another thing is so many tragedies can happen just feet away from your house. And I was just thinking like, I could have gotten picked up and I was just a, ha a house down from my mom. <laughs> so that's, that's another weirdest and scary story for me. <laughs> I think you made a decision that changed the whole outcome of your life. I, I, that's the thing is, I don't know what it just, I, it's still to this day, I can envision it perfectly. He was driving a two door truck, um, with that was blue and was, looks like a Toyota, but it's that moment has haunted me forever of what if. If you grow up loving horror movies, there's a lot of times when you get into situations and you look around and you're like, oh no, this is like a horror movie. I need to get myself out of this immediately. And now with like podcasts and everything, I've got like young nieces and like I'm having them like listening to Crime Junkie and everything. And you know, at first my sister's like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, to teach them do not get into a stranger's car. Don't talk to strangers. It's like, you know, it's it's awful, but it's also like it only takes one mistake like that. If you had got in there, it could have been the end of your life. You know, some of those some mistakes you don't get a second chance at. Yeah, it's it, that, that's instinctual to do that, too, to fear things. And it's natural. So it's a good like you if it's way back in the day and there's a lion in one area you don't go by that area and everyone tells you don't go to that area and this is what happens if if you do go in that area and that's exactly what people that talk about crime and and uh, true crime and um homicide and murders and serial killers that's a story to learn from and to not put yourself in those situations and if you get put in those situations how to get out of those situations um, like if somebody tried to get me into their car with a gun or a knife, I'm really, you're going to have to do it right here because I'm not going to a second location. So you to torture me. I know how this game works. <laughs> 100% like, you know, those like crime junkies and everything. They're the new Grimm's fairy tales, you know, uh, the old Grimm's fairy tales. They are not happy stories. Nobody makes them out of those happy. They're the, the new lessons to, to teach people. With. Yeah. And man, I mean, true crime is so addicting. I mean, I, all my podcasts are all true crime stuff and that you, there's hundreds of different variations of people that talk about how, like it's either two women talking about house crime or two or uh, true crime. And uh, then it's like two males and then it's two gay guys and then it's two lesbian girls and then it's a, a pirate with a limp. <laughs> it's just, I love it so much. I'm like, give me all of the true crime. Feed me. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. True crime is like one of those things I, I listen to on the daily when I can. And it's a double-edged sword doing it too because once you start watching it, listening to it, talking about it, all of a sudden you're at the grocery store and you're like, don't walk up behind me. You're trying to kill me. We always talk about um, how if you see somebody washing their car late at night, I'm always like, somebody killed somebody. They're washing all the blood off their car. It's happening. 11 o'clock at night. Nobody washes their car at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> that is 100% true because I find myself doing the same thing. I'll look and I'll be like, what are they doing at this time of hour? <laughs> That's not a normal thing. That's something a killer would do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you just become so paranoid. <laughs>
Well, now that we've talked about killers and creepy things and probably you missing getting murdered, I guess we could move on to what's the most memorable moment of your life so far. Okay, this one's easy. Um, so in 2020, me and my um, uh, uh, boyfriend at the time, um, we were stuck at home, you know, like most couples or whatever. In 2020, either like made or break like a relationship. And um, we quickly realized how much we got along with each other, being around each other 24-7. And um, I went to this, uh, I barely got to work because, you know, I work in the entertainment industry and stuff. So when COVID happened, it just, everything shut down. But in October, we got to, or no, in November. Oh, no, no, October. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is so easy to remember. Um, but in October, um, I went to go do a show um in Chicago for a drag and drive-in with Circuit Mom. And um, I was going there to help my friend Bitch Puddin, who won season two of Dragula, and we've just become really good friends over the years. And so I went to go help her, and then um, Landon Sider, who had just won their season, was there as well, and I was just like a big fan. And um, he asked me if I could help him with his show too, and I said yes, until I got to perform in both of their events at a Dragon Drive-In, which was um, like such a, an amazing experience and just getting to meet new people and new friends and stuff. Um, the next day, I was just tired. I'd worked two events that weekend. I was ready to get home. And so I get to the airport and I run into Landon Sider uh, at the airport. And he's like, here, have a beer on me. And we sat there and had a beer. And um, it was just a nice little, nice little morning. And then um, I get on my flight and I start getting a migraine. I take one of my migraine pills, and so I'm groggy, I'm tired, I'm just, I'm done. I want this day to be over, I want to be home. And um, our airport had just been built that March. Um, it was a brand new, beautiful entrance, it was really, really pretty. And um, I am getting off the plane, and I walk through security, and I see my boyfriend in a nice outfit just standing there. I was like, oh, that's sweet that he came in, like, dressed up for me and stuff, but I'm not in any mood to, like be happy right now because I'm so tired <laughs> and um all of a sudden he just gets down on one knee and um thank god it was videotaped because I have no clue what he said to me I have no idea I just sat there with my jaw dropped and people were passing us and um he he uh, said that he got my mom's permission to marry me and um we got I got proposed to right there <laughs> and um he wanted to uh, get married like literally like three days later or something. And I was like, I want to have like my fiance moment. Like I have four older sisters and they're all married. I want to have my fiance moment. Like I want to get pampered a little bit. <laughs> and so um, he's like, okay, I'll add a couple more days to that. <laughs> and I was like, all right, fine. So I wanted a good date. And so we got married on um, 10, 30, 2020. And it was the day before Halloween because Halloween's my favorite time of year. And, um, also wherever you go, uh, that weekend for our, um, wedding anniversary, it's also Halloween weekend. So there's always going to be a party anywhere we go. So, um, that's definitely my most memorable, um, moment. In my life was him, even though I don't know what he said, <laughs> I just remember how he looked and what I felt getting proposed to, cause I never thought I was going to get married and we had talked about it, but, um, man, he just, he did it so quick and it was because of COVID and 
because we've realized we could be with each other 24 7 365 and and actually fall more in love with each other um so yeah that's my most memorable um sorry no serial killers or crazy doctors <laughs> you gotta have a few sweet moments in life you know it can't be all serial killers and and crazy doctors trying to uh lock you in their house <laughs> that is really sweet and I, I saw that video i still remember when it come out and everything and it's just one of those like you you're scrolling through and you see it you can't help but just be like that's so beautiful Dude, i'm really glad my friend bob was there to to video it because i just it was such a quick blur to me and i just don't remember really what was happening <laughs> but um it's definitely a memory that i i will always have and it's always and then so also since we both travel for work a lot we pass by that spot every single time we go to the airport so it's always we're constantly reminded of that moment and it was just the best it was the best way for him to propose for our lifestyle <laughs> that's amazing well i hate to bring it down but this is always the hard one and that's what's the saddest moment of your life so far um i can't go into it too much because it's uh, it's too sad for me right now. <laughs> um, but I lost my, um, my cat last September and, um, I've lost a lot of like good friends. I've lost, I lost my dad in 2020. Um, but my cat was just there for me when I first came out. Uh, when my other, when my first pet died from childhood, my cat was, I'd just gotten that cat. His name was Token and he was an all black cat and, um, he was just the sweetest boy ever. And, um, it's just been, that's been the hardest thing for me to deal with is losing that, um, kind of unconditional love that you get from a pet and especially him. Cause I was his dad and I've never had that kind of connection with an animal before. Um, so losing him last September to luckily old age, um, I didn't have to take him to the vet or anything. He passed away in his sleep. Um, so that's in hindsight, that's good, but that's, um, losing my cat is definitely the saddest thing that's ever happened to me so far <laughs> and i hope it is the saddest thing i don't need anymore i don't want to be sad it's it's horrible <laughs> i think you know since 2020 all of us could use at least 10 good years before we experience anything else sad i know that's not gonna happen but you know it's been it's been some rough years for a lot of people and i i went for my weirdest topic I was going to say, y'all, we all lived through like a breakout, <laughs> like a pandemic. We got into when in quarantine. Isn't that the weirdest thing ever? <laughs> yeah. And there was like so much crazy stuff going on. I was like, I literally do not want to live through any more like world changing experiences. I don't want to do it anymore. I, I, I'm okay with just going back to normal and finishing out a normal life. <laughs> yeah. Like when you look back at like your family's members that had to go through polio and like they have those shots that like indented their skin and like just all of the other big scares and like the cold war scare and stuff. I'm like, okay, I thought we had our big scare with nine 11. Now we've got like, I had no idea we would live through a pandemic. I'm like, okay, so are we done? Is this generation done? <laughs> like, cause I don't want to go through anything else. Thank you. I guess we're also used to being connected and getting to do whatever we want and all these freedoms here in America, especially. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, that's conditional. Like that's conditional on everything going smoothly, but that can end. And it was a shocker. You know, it was like, wait, I can't go to the park 
if I want to go to the park anymore. COVID, that quarantine and COVID was, I don't think you could explain it unless you lived through it. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid to hear what people hear about it 50 years from now. People are like, God, people in those 20s were like stupid. <laughs> They'll have the videos of the people fighting over toilet paper. And they're like, it's going to be one of those things that later on we're like, yeah, we kind of went crazy. Sorry. <laughs> we were doing our best. We didn't know what to do. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I always like to end it kind of like on a happy note. Or sometimes it doesn't turn out to be a happy note, but a lot of times it's positive. Based on your life experience, what's the best advice you can give the people out there listening? First of all, be easier on yourself. Um, having social media nowadays, you're forced to look at everything that is per like it's been um, perfected so much. And that's just even my social media accounts like. When I meet new people, people think that I'm like this really confident, maybe conceited Instagram jerk, you know, but when people meet me, they're like, oh, you're, you're human. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I am. Um, so just be easy on yourself because everyone is, has, is going through their own things, their own flaws and quit comparing yourself to somebody else because you need to be who you are. It sounds so generic, but you are original and you should be, you are the only person that could give that kind of originality. Um, so give yourself time um, and don't be so hard on yourself and um, um, don't let your fears be future regrets. Um, so don't let fear or your insecurities hold you back on doing something. Um, for me, I had agoraph agoraphobia and um, social anxiety really, really bad. So I uh, pushed myself into the most uncomfortable thing I could possibly do, which was modeling and having the attention directly on me. And it turned out to be a huge therapy and it turned out to where I am now. And um, it it was all on accident. It was all just therapy. So I I wish I could go back and I could have comp like conquered my fears earlier instead of later in life because who knows where I could have been or could be. Um, so don't let your fears turn into regrets. Instagram for me actually started out as kind of like a, a self-therapy because I've always kind of had like very low like opinion of myself i have very big body issues like i don't look very much different than i do probably like probably six years ago in fact i was probably in better shape but i wouldn't even take my shirt off when i went swimming and everything and i thought you know this is probably not normal you know everybody's like i don't understand why you you feel this way and everything and i'm like i can't explain it it's just the way i've always felt and so you know i kind of done the same thing it started out to be like a therapy for me like I was like I can post a picture of myself on Instagram and I don't have to do anything then like once it's posted you know it's done and like I would literally in the beginning like close my eyes and hit like post and I'm telling you you can go back to the early Instagram days and they were like very light you know I I'm a I'm a whore now <laughs> I'm definitely an Instagram whore now, but like it took me a long time to get there and everything like that. And it's still like I still a lot of times will like close my eyes and and hit the button because I'm like, oh, I'm pushing the boundaries or this one's going to get me like some negative comments or something like that. And then you always like you'll get all the good comments, but then it takes that one negative one to put you in that spot. And that's what people out there need to realize. 
you don't have to say anything negative. If you don't say anything at all, sometimes that's the best thing you could say because there are feelings, and it's just like people people think you're this super confident, probably arrogant guy because you know they see your your pictures and you're always having fun and you just look like kind of an unapproachable guy. So that's like when I talk to you, I was like. Wow, he's actually really nice and really cool. I think everybody does that in the gay community too, because even I do that. Still to this day, I will see somebody that I thought was my social media friend that was really hot, and I, they, my husband, would be like, go say hi to him. And I'm like, I can't right now. I'm not in the right place to say hi to him. I'm too nervous, and I get that the most when I go to events. Um, people were nervous to talk to me, so I'm, I try to encourage people to come say hi to me because I'm not that type of person. And a lot of people get that first, um, that, that, that first kind of image of you of what they think you are. And you, you aren't that person. You're just making a living on Instagram and taking hot pics. Um, but I, I have one more story, um, about be nice to people and be careful what you say to other people. Like sometimes your comment doesn't need to be said because you're just being nasty. Um, so it was literally like two months into quarantine and everybody was inside. And so, you know, TikTok was like the thing. And so my 30 year old ass is like, I'm going to learn TikTok. I'm going to be TikTok famous. And right away, I knew that if you're over 30 and on TikTok, you should be dead by now. But it was what all the kids think. Um, and so on one of my most liked videos, um, some kid just wrote, um, get the F off of here and had little fairies on it. <laughs> And I was like, this is like a elementary school kid saying this. It took me 10 minutes to go through his TikTok to his Instagram, to his aunt's Facebook, to his aunt's sister, to find the pictures with him and his mom. And the crazy thing about it was this kid and his parents lived in Reno, Nevada, which is my hometown. And his parents were the newscasters for the town. And so I sent him a message and was like, Hey, I just want to let you know that your kid is just saying this to strangers on Insta on TikTok and stuff. And um, I'm you're lucky I'm not crazy because I found out where your kid went to school, where he lived, where his parents were, and everything. And I was like, this this would be a good a news story of like, watch what your kids are doing online. <laughs> and they probably thought I was insane, but uh, they called me personally and apologized and had him apologize and. I, I felt so good and so accomplished, especially because it was the beginning of COVID and his parents had already talked about him, about their presence on social media being newscasters and him to do this, that he got his entire social media cleared out. He wasn't able to do social media at the beginning of COVID. <laughs> so I was like, ah, yes. <laughs> And I'm going to back you up on TikTok. Out of all of them, I think TikTok's the meanest. Oh, oh, those, vicious, those kids are vicious. I love it that these, like, Gen X kids, like, care about your pronoun, but not, like, as a human being. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you can't do that, but I'm going to say the most horrible things in the world to you, or at least comment. They will use your right pronouns, but they're, they don't, they'll tear you down. They don't care. These kids are ruthless. <laughs> That is the absolute truth. 
Usually if I get my feelings hurt, it's on TikTok. And it's by some little kid. <laughs> this is why I don't do online gaming either is because some little 10 year old across the world is going to whip my butt and he's going to say something really nasty to me and I'll lose it. And you don't want to have to go crazy and find everybody's parents. No, I don't need to do that. I mean, I have multiple times, but I don't need to do it. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed this. It was really good to actually sit down and, and get to talk to you. I mean, we'll chat online a little bit and I keep up with your feed and everything like that and see all the cool things you're into, but it never really got to just sit down and, and talk to you. So this has been really fun. I know. I've really enjoyed this. I mean, you've been, you've been my, uh, like inspiration for cosplaying. So I love watching you, all your different outfits and stuff. I'm still to this day, for some reason, your Cubone, um, outfit just rings with me. Well, I always could bring him back because he's very easy. And normally I go to Dragon Con in Atlanta in like the end of August into September. And so I've learned wear as little bit of clothes as you can possibly wear and that it's not lewd, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you could wear a lot of clothing, but no clothing at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to go like dressed up in these elaborate costumes and all this foam and everything. And then after a few years, I was like, you know, it's more fun to be almost naked and hydrated than look really cool and almost dead. I I feel bad for all like the furries and stuff in the world that have to go to like fur cons that are in the middle of the summer. I'm like, you guys realize that's not nice to do to them. You got to do it in the winter. I will say I have mad respect for them because I've seen them when they take their helmets off to like get a drink and it is just like there is they're swimming in there. So mad respect out there to every furry, whatever you think. Amen. Or whatever you say. My hat off to y'all. Mad respect. Well, this has been fun again. Thank you so much for uh, talking to me today. Of course. Thank you for having me on. This has been, this has been a, a real treat for me and getting to chat with you has been great. I want to thank you all for listening today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Also check out the video podcast at Handlebar ASMR on YouTube for extras.